The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we're going to be over in Ezekiel too, and that might take you a little bit longer to find, so you may want to turn there also. We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 28, but we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6. And we read this passage last year, uh, last week, and uh, we, as I said earlier, we've began a study uh, about five more weeks on uh, the uh, topic of spiritual warfare and really investigating the reality of this spiritual war between the devil and God. And I mentioned in my prayer a while ago that, you know, I find it hard to believe that, that we have a half of all Christians, and I'm not saying all Christians, but I guess half of those surveyed say that there's not a Satan. When I was a youth minister, I was a, a youth minister at First Baptist Church of Fairview for, for a lot of years, and uh, I was teaching on this subject one time, and I had a, a mother come and say, uh, you need to quit teaching on that. And, uh, and you know how far that got? Not very. Um, and uh, I said, why would I do that? And she said, well, because all you're doing is scaring our, our youth. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not scaring the youth. We're talking about the truth of God's Word. And uh, uh, she and I chose to agree to disagree, maybe, or, or maybe we didn't. But anyway, her son kept coming, and she held her stance on that. But I, I just, she just came to my mind, and, and I thought about, you know, there are people that, that would say, let's, let's get off of that subject. I would rather be on the subject about God and all of those things. And this subject is about God. And the good thing about this subject is Ephesians chapter 6, and if I, I don't want you to answer this, but if I was to ask you, there's a spiritual battle going on, who's it against? I think most of it would say it's against us. But the, the truth of the battle is the the, ba- the truth of it is the battle is between the devil and God, between Satan and God. That's where the battle is, and and that kingdom of God and that kingdom of Satan we talked about last week. And you and me are the battlefield. The battle is between Satan and God, and the battle is the Lord's. That's the good news today. The battle belongs to the Lord, but the 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 not so good news is is man is the battlefield. So when we think about these spiritual battles, we need to realize they're waged between, between the kingdom of Satan, which is this world, and we talked about that last week, and the kingdom of God, which is that which is to come. And we are God's... We, we had Vacation Bible School uh, commencement ceremonies Friday night, and, and uh, the children got up and they sang, I'm in the Lord's army. And the thing when we, uh, when we teach that song, they, they get it all, but the part they get the most is what? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, they, if they don't get anything else, I'm in the Lord's army. And, and we're on, we're on God's side and God's on our side, but there's still a battle going on. And Ephesians chapter six, uh, starting in verse 10, Paul says us, tells us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I hope that you have underlined that and put an exclamation part, point by it. It's, it's God's mighty power that we're to be strong in. Then he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. When we finish this study, I think we may do a study on this armor of God and what each piece of this armor looks like and what it means to those soldiers. And and the picture I get is Paul is in prison here, and as he's in prison, he may be looking at a prison guard. 
And as he's looking at this prison guard, he begins to think about this battle that's going on. And he begins to describe every part of this armor that this prisoner guard has on. And he's saying, Christians, we need to be strong in the mighty power of the Lord and put on God's full armor so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle's not against flesh and blood, as his soldiers would be, but it's against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So therefore, we need to put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness firmly in its place, and with your feet fitted for the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In verse 17 it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Then he goes on and finishes out and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, always be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. The Scripture helps us to understand the basic problem here is this is this war that we're going on. And, and to help us get a better perspective of this cosmic battle, we might want to call it, that we need to move from our awareness of this war. And we talked about our awareness last week to our adversary in the war. I've always been uh, uh, been fascinated with coaching, uh, kind of, and, and uh, I, I love to think about coaching. I, I may, maybe I wish I had coached. I don't know, or probably not, Amy, or I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but it's always interesting to me is is the week before the football game. I mean, the uh, you you finish a football game on Friday night, and then. Uh, Saturday morning, what do you start doing? You start preparing for the next foe. You start looking at, at who's going to be there and, and hear their strong points and let's try to find their weak points. And, and you begin to uncover all of those ideals about, about we want to understand everything because on the football field, the other team's the adversary. So the more the coaches can come up with ideals about here's our adversaries, here's what they do, here's what they look like, here's what they respond to, here's, here's some ideals about their strong points and their best players. And, and the more that we can understand about our adversary, the more uh, likely is, is we're going to have the victory. So when we start thinking about our battle and, and on a much greater scale, our spiritual battle then I think it's important for us to understand our adversary. But not only know the name of our adversary, we, we uh, get ready for a football game, we don't just want to know that we're going to be playing the Tigers. We want to know more about them than just their name. But, but I want us to first think about it, the names of Satan. I mean, he goes by many noble names. He, he's called Satan, the devil, Apollyon, Lucifer... He's called the angel of light, Beelzebub, the father of lies, and the God of this world. And let me assure you one thing, he's real. He's at work and he's out to get you and me in his effort to overthrow God's kingdom. That's his plan. 
And he's alive and well today. Believe it or not, there's countless people who, who still just don't believe that. I heard somebody say, well, the best way to spell devil is just to drop the D and just say evil. Well, that sounds real neat, but, but when we do that, what are we doing? We're taking the influence off the devil and we're simply saying, well, there's just evil out there. And, and the devil's cleverest trick is to make people believe that he doesn't exist at all. And if he can do that, then of course we won't be prepared for our adversary if we say, well, there's no adversary there, so why would we prepare? And the devil may be out of fashion for some, but he's not out of the business. I know this for two reasons, because first of all, the Bible says that the Satan is active and he's working. That's, that's enough for us. But secondly, I imagine a lot of us here can say, you know, I've had the misfortune of, of dealing with him. I've done business with him. I know that he's real. And, and back in verses 11 through 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to listen to a little bit different translation in the message and this, that's the translation. It says, so take everything the master, that's God, has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up against everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about it in a few hours. This is for keeps. This is a life or death fight against against." A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his fallen angels. Be prepared because you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. And take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll be, you'll still be standing on your own feet. That scripture takes the same passage and it breaks it up just a little bit differently, but it, it really helps us understand that we're at war. And, and the key to this war and the key to victory over this war is, is knowing our enemy and, and knowing that, that here's the battlefield and, and appreciating our allies and our arsenal. So the first thing I want us to look at is Satan's person. And this is Ezekiel chapter 28. And we're going to look at the person of Satan. I want you to listen to this. If you didn't know that we were talking about Satan, I want you to think about this person being described in Ezekiel chapter 28. He says, you had everything going for you. You were in the garden, God's garden, and you were dressed in splendor. Your robe studded with jewels, and I'll butcher some of these names, but Cornelian and peridot, and moonstone, and beryl, and and onyx, and jasper, and sapphire, and turquoise, and emeralds, all in settings of engraved gold. A robe was prepared for you the same day you were created. You were an anointed cherub, and I placed you on the mountain of God, and you strolled in magnificence among the stones of fire. From the day of your creation, you were sheer perfection. But imperfection and evil were detected in you. In much buying and selling, you turned violent and you sinned. And I threw you disgraced off the mountain of God. And I threw you out, you the anointed angel cherub. 
No more strolling among the gems of fire for you. Your beauty went to your head. You corrupted wisdom by using it to get worldly fame. And I threw you to the ground and sent you sprawling before an audience of kings and let them gloat over your demise. That's a picture of Satan there in Ezekiel. He's describing who Satan was. And and I mentioned last week he was a created being of God, one of his perfect creations. And and we find his position there in, in verses 12 through 15. At the dawn of creation, Satan was the highest ranking of all of God's creation. That's his position that he was in. Lucifer, that means the shining one. He was God's greatest creation. He was flawless as a diamond. He, he was perfect in his being. He was exalted in his positions. As we read this scripture, these jewels that are cited here, they're the ones found in, in describing the, the breastplate of the high priest. Those same jewels are on the breastplate of the high priest, a, a, a garment of influence that reflected God's glory. That's how Satan was described. And, and cherubs, they're the highest ranking angels given the, the responsibility of covering the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. And, and they're protecting God's holiness. Now hear that. The, the cherubs, they're to protect God's holiness. That's what Satan was created to do. His access he had. He had access to the mountain of God, the garden, walking on stones of fire. Angels are not omnipresent like God is. That means they're not everywhere. And Satan was commissioned to be in God's presence. That's who Satan was. He was was always there in God's presence. Satan, Lucifer, was God's highest created being with the privilege of reflecting God's glory. That's what Satan was. He, he had that pri- privilege of, of reflecting God's glory and protecting God's holiness. That's what Satan was created for. But he stabbed God in the back. That's what Satan did. So in his position, he, he had all of this, this access to God and he had these responsibilities to God, but he stabbed him in the back because of his pride. That verses 15 through 18 that we, we just read, he had a quest for power. He wanted to be more powerful than God. He had a, he had a, he had a pursuit of, of, of pride. He wanted everyone to look at him and, and not look at God. Remember what he was created to do? He was created to, to shine the glory of God. But he wanted to have his own glory. And he had a thirst for prestige and, and his rebellion for possession. See, he wanted to be what God was. Now let's jump all the way over to the book of Revelation. Do you remember what's going to happen in the book of Revelation when the Antichrist comes and the Bible says that he will set up himself in the temple to what? To be worshipped. He'll set himself up in the temple that people will bring sacrifices to him that he might be worshipped. That's Satan's whole agenda. God created him and he wanted to be greater than God. And in the very end, he's going to set himself up to be worshipped. And we don't have time to go, but we know ultimately what his demise is. He's going to be cast away into the bottomless pit to that burning sulfur. That's, that's Satan's future. But today, his position and his, his pride has led him to, to, to go against God. So he has a punishment in 15 through 18. that God threw him out of heaven. I fourteen thirteen says, How you have fallen from heaven, Lucifer, son of the morning, and you have been cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. 
That was his punishment. He was cat. We read a scripture last week out of Luke that said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven to the earth. That was Satan being cast out. So that's his position. That's where he is today. So let's talk about Satan's power today. Remember, we're simply trying to reveal our, our adversary. We're simply trying to see who are we fighting against and, and who's God fighting against or who's our, who's our adversary. And just because Satan's no match for God doesn't mean he's powerless. We need to understand that as Christians. Satan is powerful. He has some authority, and his authority to give him by God, first, he's an angelic being. In other words, he, he has a, a, an authority over man because, remember in Hebrews 2.7, it says, God created the man a little lower than the angels for a while. I mean, we need to realize that, that, we, that, that Lucifer, the, the crowning jewel of God's creation, God created him for glory. He, he's the most powerful being that God created. We need to realize that he has some he has some power, he has some authority. He has a great deal of experience. Think about this. All the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan has this experience. The, 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 the power that he has is, is due to his vast experience. We're not the first human beings that, that Satan's gone up against. I mean, he, he's, had, he's had people, he's defeated scores that are smarter, that are stronger, that are, that are more spiritual than you and I. I mean, we, we can go look at, at folks throughout Scripture and, and Paul, and we can look at uh, uh, Moses, and we can look at Abraham, and, and all of those things Satan is gaining experience. He has, he has power. He has authority. He has experience. Through the years, Satan has really learned to, to transform himself. He's a chameleon. He, he, he's a master deceiver. And there's times when, when he, he completely fooled whole nations you know, he completely fooled the whole nation of Israel. In the end times, when we get over to Revelation, we realize that, again, he's going to fool the whole world into believing that, that he is Christ incarnate, that he is Christ come again. So, so he has some power. He has an organization, not only that. So, so he, has, he has this power. He has this experience. So you put the power there. You put the experience there. And then he has an organization. He has a team that he's going to use to fulfill this person. He, he, he commands a massive organization of evil with demons, with, with fallen angels, those who went with Satan when he was cast out of heaven. He has all of those folks that are working with him. They're like a, 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 a evil spiritual mafia. They're, they're massive, they're deceptive, and they're camouflaged. That's our enemy. That's who we're up against. So, so here we see it. he has these things. He has the person. He has a position. Now let's look at his program. Just a, a revisit his name, Satan. This is what it means. His name, Satan, it means an adversary or one who opposes. Everything God does, Satan is opposing. He's the devil, Diablos. That means he's an accuser or a slanderer. You know, Satan constantly, day and night, is, is, is accusing you and me. He, he's constantly accusing us. Apollyon, that means he's a destroyer. 
Lucifer, I said earlier, means a light bearer. The father of lies, he's a deceiver and a trickster. That, that describes what Satan is. His names describe who he is. A, an adversary, an opposer, accuser, a slanderer, a destroyer, a deceiver, a trickster, a, a one who bears her light. We, we talked last week about the Bible says, be careful because Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. That, that, that's his name, his activities. Listen, 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be on guard and stay awake because your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around to find someone to attack. So you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. I listed 10 things real quick that, that we find in Scripture. Now, we're not going to look at all these Scriptures, thank goodness. But just jot them down if you want to go look at them later. He, he afflicts God's people. That's, that's his activity in Job chapter 1 verse 2. He claims authority over this world. That's Luke chapter 4 verse 6. He dominates and captivates sinners. That's Acts 26, 18. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He wrestles with the saints, Ephesians 6, 12. He tempts to call sin, Genesis 3, 4. He accuses or he slanders the saints. As I said a while ago, he's always before God accusing us and slandering us, saying, oh, did you see what Jake did today? Did you see how Jake acted today? God, he's supposed to be yours. Did you see those things? He's constantly accusing and slandering us, Job 1.9. Inflicts disease, Job 2.7. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10.10. And he accuses the saints again, Revelations 12, verse 10. That's Satan's activity. He is constantly before God. He is constantly attacking and accusing God's children. Here's his mode of operation. He's a master counterfeiter. He'll turn everything upside down. He's a fraud. That's who Satan is. Ephesians 6 calls him the devil's schemes, craftiness, trickery, and well-planned strategic deceitfulness. That's what Satan is. Remember, he is powerful. Remember, he is experienced. He, he is the master counterfeiter. It's, it's, uh, I haven't talked about our show because it don't come on much anymore. Denise and I got hooked on this prison show, Lock Up. And, and, uh, and, and it's amazing. The guards will talk about inmates who are crafty uh, counterfeiters. And they're so crafty that they'll even have prison guards doing things for them. I mean, they're that crafty. They're, they're frauds. They're, they're that smart in their counterfeiting that, that they befriend someone, and before you know it, they, they got a guard getting thrown in jail because they've talked them into do some, doing something unbelievable. Well, that, that's just part of Satan's mode of operation. He, he is crafty. He convinced Eve that she could completely be like God with her own kingdom, Adam and Eve, the Bible always says, and there was Eve and, and her husband Adam was there with her. He tricked her by telling her that if she had the tree of good and evil, she would know the difference between good and evil. He got her to believe that she'd no longer need God at all, that she would be her own God. 
He got her to believe, though, thing that she'd be able to make her own decisions about right and wrong. He deceived her into thinking that if she uh, ate of this tree, she'd surely not die. She'd simply be like God, and there's no consequences to her actions. There's, there's do whatever you want because there, there's no suffering, there's no penalty. See, that's how Satan started. God won't do anything to you because, after all, there's no absolute rights and there's no absolute wrongs. That's, that was Satan's mode of operation from the very beginning. He's still that way. Isn't he? Don't we have pe- people... Pre- Are you listening? Say, I am. Thank you. Don't, don't we have churches even today saying, you know, there's, there's no really absolute right or who are we to say what's absolutely right or wrong? Who are we to say that? And, and after all, if he's a loving God, blah, 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 blah. That's Satan's mode of operation. God, Galatians 6, 7 says, God says, do not be deceived for a man will reap what he sows. We need to realize that, that Satan's mode of operation, he's, he's at work. He, he's trying to, to prevent and pervert all that God has. And salvation, Satan wants to turn that away. And Satan neither wants you to share your faith. He doesn't want your friends to hear or to understand about our faith and the truth of God's reality. And when a person receives Christ, that, that he's not really say, saved. And Satan, Satan says, you know what? You, you're you're going to be saved, but God's going to drop you and God's going to leave you and God's going to abandon you and all of these things. But when a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord, when we say he's born again, when we say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I was born with a sinful nature and I need the blood of Jesus to cover me. We become God's children and Satan loses. At that point, we're no longer under the dominion of Satan. Now, he still attacks us. He still deceives us. He still accuses us. But at that point, we've got the victory won. And we need to understand that Satan will try to discredit and disable the Christian life and our witness. Anything he can do to destroy our witness. He'll do anything to destroy the vitality of your life and make you look like a hypocrite. That's Satan's plan. What does that do? If Satan makes us look like a hypocrite, other people, who are they looking at? They're looking at you and me as a Christian. And if Satan can make us look like a hypocrite, they'll say, well, why would I go accept that they're no different than I am? That's, that's Satan's mode of operation. He knows that if you're miserable, you're not going to do anything for God. If you're just miserable, you're not, go, you're not going to do nothing for God. He knows that you're embarrassed. If you're embarrassed about your church, if you're embarrassed about your walk, if you're, if you're embarrassed about your relationship with Christ, then you're going to do absolutely nothing for God. He wants to fluster and frustrate the will of God. He wants to defect us from doing God's will. He wants to do anything he can that'll keep us from being where God's will is. You know what God's will is? He says, my first will is that, that everyone would come to salvation in Jesus Christ. That's God's first plan for every person. And beyond that, his plan for us is this, to go and to, to go out into the fields and spread his gospel, to spread his good news. That's his plan for us, the church, for Christians, for individuals. And anytime Satan can get us off the target, I believe God uses us wherever we're at. If, we, if wherever we work, wherever we have coffee, wherever we have hobbies, wherever we're at, God wants to use us as His children and use us in His ministry. And Satan wants to do all he can to distract, to divide, to defeat God and His children. That's our adversary. That's who we're facing. If I were the devil, I'd gain control of the most powerful nation in the world. 
I dilute their minds into thinking that they had come from man's effort instead of God's. I would promote an attitude of loving things and using people instead of the other way around. I would dupe entire states into relying on gambling for their state revenue. I'd convince people that character is not an issue when it comes to leadership. I would make it legal to take the life of unborn babies. I would make it socially acceptable, acceptable to take one's own life and, ev- and invent machines to make it convenient. I would cheapen life as much as possible so that life of animals are more valued than life of human beings. I'd take God out of school whenever the mention of his name was grounds for a lawsuit. I would come up with drugs that sedate the mind and target the young. And I'd get sport heroes to advertise them. I'd get control of the media so that every night I could pollute the minds of every family member from my agenda. I would attack the family, the backbone of any nation. I would make divorce acceptable and easy and even fashionable. If the family crumbles, so does the nation. I would compel people to express their most deprived fantasies on canvas and then even on the movie screens, and I'd call it art. I would convince the world that people are born homosexuals and that their lifestyle should be accepted and marveled. I would convince the people that right, that what, that right and wrong are determined by a few who call themselves authorities and refer to their agenda as politically correct. I would persuade people that the church is irrelevant and out of date and the Bible is for those who are naive. I would dull the minds of many Christians and make them believe that prayer is not important and that faithfulness and obedience are options. I guess I'd leave things pretty much the way they are. Now, some of you know who said that. That was Paul Harvey. But you know when he wrote that? April the 3rd, 1965. Now, haven't things not changed? But hasn't things really come true that that he said, if I were the devil, here's what I would do. We need to realize that Satan has an agenda. Satan has power. He has a plan. He he has a, a team that he works with to undo and turn over everything God is doing. He is our adversary. Father, Lord, this morning, I believe with all my heart that Satan would fight against every word as we reveal our adversary, adversary today. Father, I pray that we would know that he's not someone to be taken lightly and laughed at. He's not the red devil with the forked tail that we find in cartoon articles and ads. He's not someone who we can laugh off. But Father, he is real and there's an active battle going on today. But Lord, I pray also we'd know that through Jesus Christ we already have victory. Father, I pray that we'd know that that we're your children, we're your sheep, and we listen to your voice. And Father, that God has... 
given us to you. And God our Father is greater than all, and no one can snatch us out of God's hand. And when the accuser comes before and accuses us, when he slanders us, when he makes us, Lord, I, I pray, makes us look bad, I pray, Father, that we'd understand that you see us through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, as pure, as holy, without a blemish, without a spot. Father, I pray that we'd know through the power of the Holy Spirit we can overcome the schemes of Satan. We can avoid those fiery darts of the evil one. Father, I pray that we'd know that we have power and greater is your power who's in us than the power that's in this world who is Satan. Father, I pray that we would plug into your power source. Lord, I pray now as we have a time of invitation, Lord, if there's any here today who's never accepted you as your personal Savior, I believe right now Satan is already working against your wooing, against your calling, against your spirits moving. But Father, I pray today that we would just come to you and we'd allow you to have your own way within our heart. That you would be the potter today, we'd be the clay, and that you would mold us and make us into your will, into your image. Father, I pray now that this time of invitation we'd do, or we'd be about your business. And we'd be obedient. And we'd surrender our all to you. And Lord, I pray now that your spirit would move freely within this place among your people. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.